In, count me down. And go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Comma Coffee Club. I'm Valerie, and uh, with my uh, wonderful co-hosts, Lene and Michelle. And we're here today with our special guest, Mike Rignac of the Feeling Twisty podcast and YouTube um, videos. So we're very, very happy to have Mike on. He's Hi, almost Mike. at his, hey. hey, Mike, welcome to the show. And uh, Mike is almost at his 200th episode. Um, he, he just had episode 194. So that's been climbing and actually beginning to have on some interesting um, interchange with his listeners, people who come in with stories. So it's not simply your own narrative, which you've been doing, it's wonderful. Um, people like 2020 and our mentor 2020 and David Breslow, who was a guest on with us recently. Um, they have spoken always very highly about Mike and listening to his show, it is such a wonderful mix of personal experience, Neville teaching, Bible, re Bible references in relation to Neville and how that all comes back into your personal experience, your life. And actually what we'd love to know too about what brought you to Neville and the experience you had of I think being wheelchair bound with a serious uh, brain injury for about seven years and then coming out of that and being really completely, uh, being completely healed as it, as it were. So I love, we'd love to hear about that from you and, and how this all brought you to where you are now. Cool, I'm excited to be here. This is fun. You know, I've been seeing your posts and seeing you have different guests. Uh, and it's exciting to be one of them, one of those guests. And you mentioned, you mentioned 2020 and David Breslow. I love both of them. Uh, I met David through, well, through 2020's group and we've become really good friends. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things I wanted when I, after the healing, which we'll get to, I told Kim, my wife, back in late 2017, that, uh, I want somebody else to talk to. I want people, I want friends to talk to about this, you know, who know me, uh, who know all about Neville and who are exploring as well. And then over the last three years, it's just more and more, I've developed these great friendships with people. Mm -hmm. It's lovely. Well, I think that's one of the beautiful parts of the community that 20 has, has built. And you know where he says, you know, when you join when you join that manifesting master, you know, you become friends, you get into like dream driven day or you go on and you become family. And <laughs> you really do feel like we're uh, definitely all connected in the, in the um, global family through, uh, through Facebook and through the internet. And it's, it's, it's been so fantastic getting to meet so many amazing people. It's how we started our group. <laughs> we wouldn't yeah. have done that if we hadn't yeah. all come out of that. So, um, so we're very excited to have you. And so tell us a little more about your backstory, Mike, and, okay. and how this all started to develop and how you found your way to Neville and 20. That's very, that's something that a lot of people like to know about. Okay, cool. Well, I was born uh, Tuesday, September 29th, 1970. <laughs> Maybe not that far back. Uh, I'll jump ahead to uh, August of 2010. I had okay. been a, I was a reporter uh, for television and radio, 
And uh, in the market, in our city, the market's pretty small. So just because you're on television and radio doesn't mean you're making any money. You know, it's all based on your market size. So Mm. when the BP oil spill had happened earlier that year, you know, I was covering it as a reporter, but by August, uh, friends of mine were getting jobs over there, making big money working in the cleanup. And with five kids at home, uh, I saw big money, fast money uh, as a, a no-brainer. So I took off over mm-hmm. there and uh, they made me foreman, which was crazy because I'd never done hard labor at all in my life. Uh, they made me foreman of a pressure washing team. So I was there for about a week, 10 days, I think. Uh, at this facility or this big piece of uh, concrete flat land on Dauphin Island or near Dauphin Island in Mobile, Alabama. And right across the canal from us was this facility. Uh, well, I'll say the name because you could look it up under OSHA's, OSHA's website. They have the whole story there. Millard Refrigeration. They sprang a leak and the anhydrous ammonia from that facility kind of drifted over to where we were. And I was in it for about 50 minutes, breathing it in. Ooh. And over the the course of a couple of years, you know, finding doctors, you know, trying to find the diagnosis, they, uh, I found a brain surgeon that said I had uh, lesions along the basal ganglia in my uh, brain. And the basal ganglia is where, you know, the problems with that portion of the brain is uh, what causes Parkinson's disease and other movement disorders. So with the lesions uh, caused by the anhydrous ammonia, uh, these physical things came out, this movement disorder called generalized dystonia. So I was, uh, I was a mess. It progressively got worse, as my doctor explained to me, as one muscle starts to stay, my muscles would stay contracted and twist uh, my entire right side of my body. It started with my arms and my feet and then just became the whole right side. And after seven years, it was coming to my left side too. So, you know, imagine having a Charlie horse cramp in your muscle. Uh, but then multiply that, you know, 10 mm-hmm. times oh that, that was my usual day and not just one spot, my, wow. from the sole of my right foot up to the muscles in my face, constantly contracted and, uh, other muscles popping and like, you know, like popcorn going off or fireworks all over my body. Uh, I lost control of anything you can voluntarily control, including those that you used to go to the bathroom. I would lose control of at the Mm. most uh, inopportune times. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, it wasn't fun. It was a, it was a mess for those seven years. And I wasn't in a wheelchair at first. I had used a, a cane uh, for a while. And then I switched to a cane and then a wheelchair as needed. But eventually it became, you know, st- strictly in a wheelchair for long distances. And if I, around the house, I could hobble around with two crutches. So that was, you know, by 2017, that's what I was, uh, what life was like. Um, And real quick, that's where the name Feeling Twisty came from, but we can get to that later. Uh, So jump ahead to October of 2017. I had fallen out of my wheelchair. Uh, I was trying to go backwards out of my back door. I was being cute. And then uh, the wheelchair didn't want, the wheel stopped. And then I pivoted backwards and fell out and cracked my tailbone. So oh. I was really on stuck. top of was, everything else. Right. It's like, oh, really? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, were asking God. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in bed primarily uh, for a few weeks, uh, not being able to move much because of the tailbone issue. I can't, couldn't really sit in my wheelchair. So as I'm lying in bed, I remembered 
Dr. Joseph Murphy, mm -hmm. uh, reading his book back in college and uh, the power of the subconscious mind. And I used that in college to move from uh, academic probation to graduating uh, with honors, cum laude, in three years from, uh, yeah. So I knew it worked, but then I forgot about it for, yeah. you know, I forgot all about the power of anything outside of me uh, for about 25 years. And so I'm lying there in bed. I thought, I wonder if they have Joseph Murphy on YouTube. So I pulled up YouTube on my TV and you know how YouTube does. It suggests other videos it thinks you might like. And sure. Neville Goddard was the next one up. Uh, I'd never heard of him. And uh, the, the title, the, the lecture was The Secret of the Sperm. And being a guy, I see sperm, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a second. What's he talking about? So I listened to it and uh, it blew my mind. Here he is talking about uh, in, a, in a way that I could understand it, you know. So it was orgasmic. Yes, it was. It was an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> he was using words that I got, you know. He used a lot of biblical references. I grew up in church, so I, that mm. worked for me. And then him just saying that it's, it's your imagination. So uh, it brought me in more easily because usually anytime I'd come across a book or a teacher and they're – you know, it's always about, you know, it's the awareness and consciousness and all these things. And they talk like this and it just turns me <laughs> off. Yeah. yeah. Just go, you know, get away from me, yeah. all of these things. But then here's Neville talking about, it's your own wonderful human imagination. Uh, that really fired me up as Neville would say. So I started uh, from Secret of the Sperm, listening to every video that YouTube suggested and then finding a Downloaded. I just was buying, I went on a frenzy, buying all of his books, mm. uh, listening to all the lectures uh, and started practicing this art of imagination, as Neville says. And lying there in bed, one of the first things I did was put myself in other places in my house. Uh, now, I didn't know what it felt like to walk normally. So I didn't imagine walking normally uh, at the time. I just couldn't. It was so foreign to me. So I okay. couldn't even get that my feeling. Uh-huh. Mike, excuse me. So <laughs> you just mentioned you were lying in bed and imagining being in other places in your L Michelle and Lene and I on our last episode of Living in the End, what were we talking about? But Neville's experience of lying on his bed when he wanted to appear in Barbados to his yep. sister yeah. after his nephew died, the 17-year-old mm. nephew had died of cancer to show that we're not the body. And that's bilocated. So you actually, this is exactly the segue. So actually, he was talking about. Yeah, Neville practiced that really often. So he was having people around for cocktails and he would imagine that um, he was out in the hallway by the telephone because it yeah. was a practice of movement in his, in his imagination so that he could put himself somewhere, which is exactly what you were practicing. Right, yeah. And uh, that lecture, by the way, when he talks about his nephew, uh, I like that he was uh, honest enough to say that I couldn't heal him. You know, yeah, I didn't exactly. I, I didn't heal him, but I did uh, yeah. prove that you can be in other places, you know, uh, and he'd hoped that would he had hoped that that his sister seeing him would like shed some light for her. But but she just saw it as 
I think you're going to die next, Neville. You know, that's yeah. what she wrote in that letter. <laughs> that's I right. think you're next. Embrace an impudence. <laughs> but uh, that's what I love about Neville, his honesty. You know, he didn't make yeah. it sound like he always got everything. You know, he right. said, look, I, even in his latter years, I'm not perfect. I still have to watch my mental diet. Yeah. I still have to watch my reactions. Yeah. Uh, and I avoid anybody that comes on, you know, YouTube or has a, uh, anything online that talks, that refuses to admit that they make mistakes. They try to make it sound they're so perfect. And then I know it's easy. I just turn them off. I know that I'm not, I don't need to worry about <laughs> listening to them. Uh, where, oh, so I practiced, practiced moving, moving in imagination. Yeah. I would put myself in the living room in my favorite chair, which I could get to with crutches, but I just sit in the chair and feel the, the feeling of the, the fabric under my arms on the armrest and pick up the remote, the television remote and feel the buttons with my thumb. And I, I would do that over and over practicing. And then I would uh, do dip, little things, you know, we call them little things, uh, mm. but I, I would start to change my day you know, with, and change my interaction with my family. And all of these little things, I had nowhere else to go. So I thought, well, I'm going to practice this. Because uh, at the same time, I was having, uh, and I don't really talk about the, you know, the mystical side of all of my experiences. But at the same time, I was having these fascinating uh, waking dreams and sleeping dreams. These, I was seeing uh, things I never thought were possible. I'll give you one quick one because this, this was what fired me up. I, uh, around the same time, I found myself outside of my grandparents' house up in, well, you're not from Louisiana, so you wouldn't know, up in the country, in the central part of our state. And I walked in their front door and into the room I grew up in and walked into the kitchen and here are all these people. Uh, the kitchen was full of people, young people uh, in their 20s and maybe there's some in their thirties, but they were all, I recognized them. They were my dead aunts and uncles, great aunts and uncles and my great grandparents. And they were all in there and they were all having coffee. And they all stopped and looked at me when I walked up and uh, my great grandfather, uh, who I hadn't seen since I was five years old, but he looked much younger. He said, Mike, Michael, he called me, uh, what are you doing here? And I said, what are you, what, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? This can't be, you shouldn't be here. And I looked at all of them, my grandfather who had passed. Well, all of them had passed already. And they laughed at me. They all laughed. And they said, you don't understand yet. And, and they went back to drinking coffee. So I walked back out the, the door. And, <laughs> uh, and as I'm walking out, my uncle, my wife's brother, drove up in his big old Cadillac that he had. And he steps out and he looks like he does now. He's much older. He's in his 70s. And he gets out of the car. And I said, Uncle Frank, what are you doing here? You know, I, I was thinking if I'm not supposed to be here, I know he's not supposed to be here. <laughs> and he just kind of chuckled at me. He's like, hello, Michael. And he went on in the door. And then I woke up. Well, a few months later, he passed. My uncle passed. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know that at the time. But it was those, these vivid dreams and uh, other experiences that I was having that I knew there's more to all of this. You know, I knew what Neville was talking about was true. Uh, so I, I, you know, I've had many failures in my life, but being stubborn is something that I succeeded at when I wanted something, you know, so I, I just put my all into it in studying what Neville was saying and practicing. 
And about a month or about three weeks later, uh, I was talking with my daughter and my wife. And we were talking about how we wanted to travel. My niece and her husband were about to go to Puerto Rico to help uh, unofficially, just as friends of people in Puerto Rico to help them in the aftermath of, uh, was it Hurricane Irma? I can't remember the name of the hurricane. Uh, and we were talking about how we wanted to go do things like that. We wanted to live in the mountains. Everything we talked about involved uh, traveling, traversing land that was not friendly to wheelchairs. And so the conversation ended like that. I said, Bella, none of these places are handicap friendly. It was kind of a downer. Uh, and then fast forward to Thanksgiving Day, uh, 2017, about a week or so later, I'm uh, lying in bed and we're going to be heading to my parents' house for Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm, as Neville says, just in the silence, not really thinking about anything, uh, just being calm, you know, just being still. And the conversation came up in my memory and this little conversation. And now, when I first started telling people, when after this healing, I was invited to churches. And so I kept it, I spoke in a way that they were very, that they would understand. I didn't want to freak them out. I was, I was very timid as far as uh, not wanting to offend anybody in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I just, I've known, I know too much or I've experienced too much to, to, <laughs> to bother with worrying about uh, offending people. But uh, the conversation what I said was God talking to me, and it is, but it was me. The conversation went like this. How are you going to do any of that in a wheelchair? And I said, you're right. And then I said, I guess it's time for dystonia to go. And I said, okay. Huh. And I opened my eyes, and I still had to scooch to the side of the bed and get in my wheelchair and wheel to the garage and get the crutches and get into the car. I was still incontinent still twitchy and twisty and every, nothing had changed. Not one thing had changed. Uh, a few days later, uh, now I've told the story before and I've forgotten about this part of the story until my, my daughter reminded me. That was a Thursday. The following Monday, I'm in the kitchen and I grabbed a, a, a slip of paper to write grocery items down, a grocery list. And over those seven years, I lost the use of my right hand. So I had to relearn I, I was born ambidextrous. I could do both, uh, but I hadn't used my left hand in years. So my writing was not very good. So I'm writing the grocery list and my daughter walks up and she says, uh, dad, you're writing with your good hand or with your right hand. And I looked down, I, I was, I was writing smoothly. It was beautiful handwriting. It was beautiful with my right hand. And I, and I said, oh, you're right. And then I remembered my little conversation from Thursday and I let it go, you know, I didn't really think about it. I just thought that was cool. It got, you know, I was still in the wheelchair. Two more days pass, still there. I even uh, had an experience on Tuesday. I'd gone to an airport with my wife dropping off our son at the airport. And I'd gotten, had such a bad experience there because every restroom in the airport was out of service. Uh, I'm sorry, every handicapped restroom was out of service. And the only restroom open, I couldn't fit the wheelchair through the door to get in. Oh, and I was so mad. Oh, no. uh, I pointed that out because people sometimes wonder like, oh, I got angry. Did I mess up my manifestation? No, you didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't even think about mess messing up my manifestation. I was just pissed off because I couldn't <laughs> you know, take a piss. You know, I was very <laughs> angry. Uh, 
next day, Wednesday night, we'd gone to church and come back from church. And I was sitting in my favorite chair. And usually when I get up, I have to grab the, the crutches right there at the chair and get up and go to the wheelchair. And I stood up and I didn't even reach for my crutches. And I just stood up and I walked right past the crutches and into the kitchen. And my wife calls me back. She goes, come back. And I walked back and I knew what, I knew then what was happening. And she said, now walk to the door, front door. So I walked the other direction to the front door and I walked back and she said, you're walking normal. And then I laughed. I said, yeah, let me tell you about this conversation I had last week. Oh. And it was it. There was no, you know, thunderbolts of lightning, no yeah. earthquake, no voice from heaven, you know, angels singing. <clears throat> there was no indication that it was, that it was happening. I mean, and a few minutes before I was still cramped and twitchy and everything. And then I stood up and it was completely gone. And I haven't had one symptom since then. That's been three and a half years now. Wow. <laughs> wow. What did your doctor say about that, Mike? Mm. That's a good question. I never went back. <laughs> I, I, I didn't, um, for one, I'd been out of work for so long. I didn't have health insurance anymore. Right. So I couldn't afford to go to the doctor. And I hadn't seen the doctor since January of that year because every, uh, the medication was awful. It was, you know, uh, L-Dopa. It's a levodopa mm. for the dopamine uptake mm. and a, a bunch of other medicines that, made me feel like crap. I mean, if you could imagine feeling worse, I mean, I, I, it, on top of everything else with my symptoms, the medicine just made it, uh, just made it harder to want to live. It just made me feel miserable. So I'd stopped taking the medicine um, in the January of 2017. And I saw no reason to go back. You know, why pay somebody to tell me that you, what, what I you already, know. already know? Right. I didn't need proof. And I'd already understood at that point I don't need anything. Uh, I, I was keeping the Sabbath, so to speak, you know, even though I'd already manifested the healing, I didn't want, I didn't need the doctor to say, no, there's still lesions there. You know what I mean? Yeah. What yeah. was, what am I trying to prove? Cause I know I'm healed to do, go to the doctor just to prove it to somebody else. And I really don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. It's uh, all as in far you as anyway. It. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So me going to the doctor, trying to prove something implies mm. I doubt it. I'm doubting mm -hmm. it if I think I need to go get verification. So I never went, I haven't been to a doctor since. So, and that's, uh, it's funny. I just don't, I mean, I've not like, I haven't had some illnesses, you know, I've had, I've gotten sick over the past three, three years, had some cold, a couple of colds, but I know what to do now. I don't blame the anhydrous ammonia or the, the, the pollen or a virus, uh, it's always within me and it always has been within me. So I know what to do. I know I got myself into that sickly state or that ill state and I know what to do to get right out of it. So uh, a doctor is just going to reflect my own, uh, you know, what's going on within me. So mm. I find this so, oh, I, I love this topic. Um, so do I. I, I work in healthcare, I'm an epidemiologist. I'm not really healthcare, more on the science side, but still like COVID is my baby, like work-wise. And so it's, I find it hard sometimes when I'm working because I hear everybody COVID, 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 COVID. It's what every conference calls about at work. You know, we work cases. I'm looking at all the numbers. I'm seeing the statistics, but knowing what I know, 
like each person where where were you thinking this like what are you fearing this and then you're just going to the doctor and confirming this and all of that and just yesterday i was work i wasn't working a covid case i was working a different respiratory disease but <laughs> i was in the guy's record and his underlying medical conditions was this long you know boom 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 this 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 and he was constantly at the doctors, what's wrong with me? You're diagnosing him with something. Put him on this medication, causes a side effect. Now you got this diagnosis, this, 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 this. Well, no wonder you developed a virus that then turned into double pneumonia and respiratory distress and it took you out. You know, like, it's just like how that plays out. And like, I obviously can't go to work saying that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. And of course, when I'm like working with people, I'm not being like that, but I have this understanding of like, you know, you can get through this. There's another way. It right. doesn't have to be this way. You know, you must do a lot of imagining for others. Who me, you in um, your job. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Oh yeah. yeah. Imagine lovingly for others. Oof. It's. <laughs> I, I have not mastered that clearly because <laughs> like well, nobody's a master ima imagine yeah. lovingly division of yeah. your more, job but yeah I'm more at, at a point of observing it <clears throat> where it's the spiral principle that Neville talks about you know I'm, I'm there I'm observing the the numbers increasing I'm observing you know, us going out and vaccinating people. I'm observing all of this, but I know the truth and I know the truth of me. Not, and so it's, it's more so just kind of going along with the flow and just, you know, it is what it is. We will be in another pandemic, you know, 10 years from now. That's just how these things work. And so. Yeah. Uh, well, the spirit of fear, you know, the Bible talks about don't have a spirit mm. of fear. Uh, exactly. But as long as we're here in this human experience, there will be things to be fearful of if you choose to. You know, the, this drama is the characters may change or the names may change, but it, it's always going to be things. There's going to be tyrants. There's going to be pandemics. There's going to be all of these things. That's part of the, the human experience. It's yeah. part of the story. Uh, kind of like you know we get you know movies you know it's like always the same it's the same formula just different yeah. actors are playing it different names you know it's the same thing with life it's the same formula it's just we change within it but there's always going you know when people talk about you know trying to fix the world where we're all going to live in peace but that would when we're almost we're all fully aware of who we are yes sure that can happen but yeah. then we wouldn't we wouldn't there's no point in having this earth, this, you know, it, we would, I think, I know we would at that point, we'd do something else, you know, we'll come up with another experience, another game to play. So they want to have this perfect world, but that's not the human experience. That's, you, you can't, the perfection is not in this human experience. There's, you can't have that perfection. You can be aware of it and know who you are, but as long as we're still playing this game, there's going to be those things that are happening. Mm -hmm. But each one of us, we'll go through it and then have that spiral motion in awakening. Uh, and then you see the pandemic, you see the, the terror and the fear, but you know, now you're not, 
in it. You're, right. uh, you're, in the, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're, you observe it, like the Bible says, be in the world, but not of it. I never understood that, but now I do. Yeah. Aware yes. of it, but knowing that's not you. you yeah. Know, I see that, but I'm not that anymore. And it's freeing. It's so much freedom in realizing that because, uh, well, because you, you don't have to change your life because of what economists say or uh, health officials say. You know now that this is a drama. And your states are just characters participating in this drama. Yes. So your experience obviously influenced you to start your podcast. Yes. Uh, okay, so feeling twisty. I had mm. that name back when I was still sick. I was started, well, I did start a blog called Feeling Twisty. I think it might still be out there on WordPress somewhere. Uh, and it was going to be all about, you know, raising awareness, you know, that that's what you do. You get sick with something, then you, you become, you start a, a, yeah. a, a nonprofit to raise yeah. awareness. <laughs> Everybody does that. So I was going to raise awareness of this awful movement disorder, dystonia, uh, which by the way, I didn't realize most or about 40% of Parkinson's sufferers also have dystonia. Yeah. Uh, wow. I didn't realize that. What's the so, statistics on somebody healing from it, Mike? Uh, I don't know. I know there's one person. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, other than now, uh, I know people that have had deep brain stimulation, mm. putting the, uh, the things down in the brain that have gotten rid of it. Now, I do know. No, I take that back. I know too now. A man I used to go to church with had really severe dystonia. I can't remember which form it was, but it affected his neck. He always, his neck was, head was twisted like this uh, all the time. And it affected his larynx. He, he, it affected his voice. And he was always going to get Botox injections, which would help a little bit. But the last I heard, he's completely healed. So now there are two of us that I know of with Dysonia that That's, were healed. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a documentary that was done a number of years ago called Twisted. You That's probably right. know about it. Laurels. And you know who, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and you know, and you know who's feet, who, who would talks about the, the young woman who, when she was 17, she was in an accident. Right. So, you know, the, you know, the documentary. I, you've seen? I haven't watched it yet. It, I, okay. I promised Laura, I'll, Laurel, I would watch it, but I have not. It's on my uh, watch You'll list on why. my Prime yeah. account. Yeah. So don't spoil it. <laughs> I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to spoil it for the audience. If they want, they can find yeah. it and they can watch it. But that's all I will say about it. But yeah, that's, yeah. that explains. And I've known, I think looking back, I've probably known people who've had it. I wasn't aware what it was called. But my late husband who passed away, who transitioned, I guess more appropriate to say, in 2013 had Parkinson's. So oh, okay. things that I might not have known were called that dystonia part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I could see how they could have been. You know? Right. And the doctor probably wouldn't even explain it to you. That there's a difference. You know, they yeah. put it all together as the move, one movement disorder. Uh, yeah. So that's where Feeling Twisty came from. I had that blog. And it was just, oh, what a downer. It's always oh, it just about how miserable yes. life was. <laughs> oh. Looking back on it, I found it. Mm -hmm. I looked it up one day a year or so ago. And it was on there. And I was reading the things I'd posted, it's like, geez, the crap I was giving life to. Yeah. Oh, mm. and who, no wonder nobody paid attention to my blog. It was so miserable. <laughs> it was no, I mean, a waste yeah. of internet space. So mm. that feeling twisty was there. I had bought 
you know, the website, the .com, and now the .co and the .net of feeling twisty, which is finally coming. I, someone's actually building my website. But so I'd just been there. I hadn't really been, done anything with it until I was a guest on a friend of mine's podcast in uh, 2019. And we'd got to talk about how I told him I wanted to, I thought about doing a podcast and he encouraged me to do it. And then he said, you already have the name. Feeling Twisty is a perfect name for your podcast. And I thought, mm. yeah, it's a whole new meaning now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, where do you want me to go? You want me to tell you about how the, those next couple of months after the healing and then jump to the podcast? Yeah, whatever. Okay. So however it goes. I was, like I said earlier, I was talking to Kim about how I just want somebody else to talk to about this. I want more conversation. I love conversations with people. I, every day I'll look forward to who I'm going to talk to. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not a day goes by that I don't talk about this, the, not the healing, but the power of imagination. It mm -hmm. always comes up. So uh, January, February of 2018, I just decided, well, let me look on Facebook uh, and on just online. And I came across uh, you know, Nev not that, you know, Neville Goddard was a strange enough name, but here's this other one that's like, he calls himself 2020. Jeez, <laughs> what the hell? So I, I looked into it and man, he had some great stuff. And over the course of a few months, I started just, you know, paying attention to what he, you know, his videos that he was doing and getting to know him through that. And then doing some live calls back, uh, I guess, in summer and fall of 2018 went back when he had open calls and really explored some wonderful things on those live calls. Uh, and about the same time that fall, my son, my, uh, at the time he was 19, I have four sons. He was involved in an awful motorcycle accident, a hit and run. And uh, I mean, he had nearly lost his hand, tore up his whole body. Uh, I've talked about it on my podcast about the healing uh, and having the live calls. I was on a live call with 20 and uh, Victoria uh, and uh, the Maxwell's were on there and people from all over the world. And I told them because they they knew me by then because I'd been on several calls and I said, hey, I'm here at the hospital. Whew. That was a powerful live call. I'm getting choked up thinking about it. It was just that moment. I'll never forget the love that that I experienced from Victoria, 2020, uh, from uh, Yasmin, she's wonderful. It was just a wonderful experience sitting there outside the uh, hospital talking to them on this live call. Uh, and after that, uh, my son, by the way, and if anybody is curious, it's, you can find it on my podcast, or the episodes. Uh, he was supposed to be in the hospital for months and mm -hmm. from the, in the trauma center for months and then a rehab hospital for months after that. Two weeks after he got in the hospital, he was out of the hospital, wow. back at home. So wow. it was an amazing experience, uh, that. And so that's when I really realized, okay, I need to do something uh, to share my story. And preceding all of that, earlier in 2018, I naturally thought, you know, I'm healed. I'm experiencing these things. Of course, I need to write a book, right? Because everybody writes a book. That's what I thought you have to do. You know, uh, the little kid that went to heaven and came back, he got a book and even a movie. So I thought, well, this people would yeah. like to read this. Well, I went around and around with that, uh, wanting it, thinking of it and never really doing it because I had all these things I was thinking of 
that I'm not good enough. I can't, you know, I can write news copy. I used to be a reporter. I can write a news story, but write a book. I would immediately start thinking of people critiquing my grammar and all of these reasons why I shouldn't write the book. So it laid stagnant for a year. And it's toward the end of 2018, uh, beginning of 2019. Uh, it was a live call with 2020. And I had no warning. I, I got on the call. Hey, guys, I'm here. And 20 said, all right, Mike, take it. Uh, what are you talking about? And he, uh, he tossed the mic to me, so to speak. He gave me the, the lead. Tossed you the, the stick. Yes. And so That's here he I does. am <laughs> without warning hosting this live call. And I'm, I wrote a big note on my notebook and showed it to Kim. I'm hosting the call right now. And, <laughs> and we got off the live call, which is so fascinating. At that moment, I knew thing, something had changed within me. I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, why have I been avoiding getting back on the microphone? I got, mm. while I was sick, I didn't talk. No, no public appearances, no uh, anything on a the camera. There are very few pictures of me while I was sick because I refused to, to have pictures done when I could avoid it. Uh, and certainly not on the microphone because I could hardly talk. I'd lost the one thing I was good at talking <laughs> as a reporter. I had no problem getting on stage and hosting events and, and being on live microphones in public uh, until I was sick. And then it all came back to me. Uh, sure, I might write a book one day, but why not just dive into what with what I already can do? You know. and, I and I love it. So then things started changing. In fact, if anybody wants to hear that whole story, it's on the episode Twisty Days. It's back from a couple of months ago. Twisty Days. Uh, about th mm. Well, I did it in October. October, November of last year. You can find it. It's okay. a great story because I talk a lot about 2020. Sure. Uh, but that's when I started really exploring what state do I want to experience? And that's when it came to me, uh, storyteller, podcaster, and just, it, oh, it felt good. That, that <laughs> you know, I didn't, I haven't golfed much in life because I'm awful at it, but I golfed uh, badly enough to know that when you hit the sweet spot, when you hit that ball in the sweet spot, you know it, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, that's going somewhere. And I did it maybe twice in the, the little bit of time I tried to golf, but I know what a sweet spot feels like now. Mm. And that was my sweet spot. I knew it. I felt it. I knew it was going to happen. And over a course of a few months, uh, I got invited to go back onto a reunion show on a local radio station. They were bringing back the whole day, this one day they were going to have uh, hosts from, you know, I am now at that point, retro you know i'm coming back on a retro day i'm like oh i'm that old now so <laughs> i got back that morning i was on the show with uh two of my old co-hosts gary and heather so we did the show that morning and a man listening to that a guy i had known through radio uh, over the years but didn't really know him that well tom that's his name he heard me and thought oh mike would be a good guest on the, our, our mutual friend oren parker's podcast find the good news now tom didn't know anything about the healing he just heard me and thought mike would be good on the on oren's podcast so he called oren and then a week or so later oren i hadn't talked to him in a decade messaged me and said hey i'd like you to be a guest and i went a few weeks later i we recorded his show and that's where we talked about hey you could use feeling twisty as uh, your podcast title. And he was the perfect person for me to talk to because he gave me all the information I needed on his recommendations on which service to use, what equipment to use, everything that, that I would need. 
he gave to me in one lump. Your bridge. Email. Yes, it was a lovely bridge from that live <laughs> call with 2020 through the invite to yep. be on the retro show. Tom hearing me, thinking of me to tell to have me on Orange show and then Orange giving me everything I need. And before my episode even came out on Orange show, Feeling Twisty was already on the air. I had Feeling Twisty podcast already going in uh, end of July in 2018. Uh, 2019. Fantastic. 2019. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I just want to ask you a question referring back, Mike, to uh, when your son was hospitalized and, you know, looked like it was going to be this endless um, stream of, of therapy and things. Yeah. So it was a combination. Did he use te Neville's techniques also, or was it more of you lovingly imagining for him? Um, how did that, you know, come about that he was able to come out of the hospital sooner than anticipated? Okay, that's a great question. That night, uh, let me just take you back to that night, September 9th, 2018. Uh, my wife and I, Kim, had just were lying in bed, just turned the TV off. It was about midnight, and the phone, her phone goes off. And as parents, you never want the phone to go off, you know, at, at that, that late time. at night. You, you immediately, <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, I've worked on. You immediately I, assume worse, don't you? Right. So I've learned now, I, I don't jump to the fear immediately. But I, I immediately start imagining lovingly before I even, as soon as I see who's calling me, when it's my child in the middle of the night, I'm already imagining it's okay. But that night, Kim gets the call, you know, and so it's from somebody else, not my son, which really worried us. So we hop into our vehicle and head, it's about a mile away from us, from our house. And we're driving down the street and she says, Mike, you do what you do, do the thing you do. I can't right now, I'm driving, I'm too upset. So I'm imagining for Caleb as we're driving down the street. And now I imagine seeing him standing up next to the ambulance. That uh, that didn't happen. But yeah. we get there and he's still lying on the street, twisted up with his motorcycle. Oh, and his wow. one arm is curved like a J. It has too many bends in it. And his his pants are soaked with blood. Uh, Somebody, he, he had, had turned in front of him. And he was going at a good clip down the road. And he nearly went all the way through the car, but he hit the window and then yeah. that's what ripped his hand completely off. And then he wow. fell over the car and that guy just kept going. He took off. So my son's lying wow. in the street in the dark. Oh These two God. high school girls drive up who are uh, going to be doctors. They're already taking pre-med classes, you know, those <laughs> college courses while you can in high school. So she already has medical training. So she hops out and starts providing uh, treatment to them, first responder type stuff. And they're the ones who call us. And so the ambulance just gets there when we're there and we rush to the hospital. And I'm just, uh, well, before that, I'm standing there and, and the lights are flashing. He's crying. My son's saying, he all, he's delirious. He's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I felt this peace. I was, uh, you know, amid all this chaos, I was, I knew I was in the silence right there. I, yeah. I was, I was completely at peace and I knew he was going to be fine. So we ended up going mm. to another city because our city doesn't have, didn't have a trauma center, that level of a trauma center because he had bleeding on the brain, a cracked sternum. Uh, his arm was ripped up. Uh, his, his penis was nearly his male organs. They didn't think they were going to be able to save any of it. Oh. And so I'm thinking like, this is the, like, other than death, this is the worst thing for a 19 year old to hear. You know, you don't want to have a bag to pee in the rest of your life hooked up to mm. you. So in the emergency room there, 
the doctors and the nurse are telling us all these things, how bad it is. And I just, I scrunched down on the floor uh, and I just closed my eyes and I heard the doctor's voice and the nurse's voice telling me what I wanted to hear, that he's going to be fine, that it, you know, where they were saying, this is damaged. I heard them say that we thought it was, but everything looks good. And I, I kept hearing that. And we go to the trauma center in Lafayette, Louisiana. And I just imagined hearing after we met the surgeon, the surgical team over there, because he immediately had to get in. He had two or three surgeries, two or three surgeons working at the same time on different parts of his body just to get them pieced back together mm. uh, to have more surgeries the next day and the following day. So having met the surgical team, I knew what, what they looked like and what they sounded like. And I just imagined having them come in the next morning saying, we're shocked at how uh, well, we're surprised at how well he's doing, how well Caleb is, is doing. I heard him say it and I knew that's what I was going to hear. The next morning, they come in so early. You know, the doctors come in at like five o'clock in the morning, turn yeah. the lights on, and I'm half asleep. And I'm hearing the surgeon tell, tell us, uh, he didn't say I'm. We're surprised at how well he's doing. He said we're shocked at how well he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. He, uh, another cool thing about that, his arm had lost a huge chunk of muscle. Um, they were going to have to graft a lot from other parts of his body just to get it workable. So. The, they took him into the plastic surgeon brought him in just for a cleanup to clean out the area and prep it for the graft surgery the next day. Well, a few hours go by and, and we're waiting for the surgeon to come out. He finally does. And he says, well, the muscle is all there. So I just reconnected it. So we don't need to do the other surgery. <laughs> I was like, wait wow. a second. <laughs> Yesterday, there wasn't muscle. He's like, yeah, it was, it's, we just didn't see it, I guess. It's there. <laughs> Was yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. All that tissue. Of course it was. Overnight it was growth. Moved out of the right. way. Yeah, because he, he had a hole there. I didn't wow. see the photo. My wife saw what it looked like, uh, a photo of what it looked like before the surgery. There was no muscle tissue there. Uh, and so all he needed was just the, the little skin graft to cover that area. <laughs> he didn't need all wow. the other muscle tissue to be grafted on. And instead of the, the months in trauma and the months later in rehab, he was by two weeks later, September 24th, he was home. He was home with us in Lake Charles. Wow. And how is he now? How's he doing? He's great. He's got some, a scar, you know, uh, on his arm, but I mean, he's got a great job. He's in love. All his parts work, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is very That's... important for anybody. But at yeah. that age, <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's, it's really, really important. So yeah, yeah he's really thriving. And that's, through the, the, the months after he got out home from the hospital, you know, he went through a type of depression because he thought he was, you know, not, he was ugly because of his scars. Mm -hmm. um, I just saw him thriving. And I talk about this in a couple of episodes. It, I just would bring his face up uh, whenever I thought about him or when I would hear somebody telling me about how depressed he was, I would just see his smiling face. And that's all I did. I didn't try to imagine the opposite of that or them telling me, you know, what's the easiest thing I can do that implies he is thriving, mm. seeing his smiling face. Yep. And he's thriving yeah. now. He's, he's a great guy. He's 20, 21 years old, just about to be 22. And uh, a, all my kids are fascinating. Each one of them is thriving uh, in their own way. I mean, uh, when I, I realized then how easily I can imagine for my kids 
uh, I just imagine them all thriving. And I do the same with each one of them. I see their smiling face and I feel the thrill as a parent yeah. knowing that they're thriving. Mm -hmm. And each one of them, they're kicking ass, all of them. They're just, <laughs> it's wow. just, you know, they don't need me. I'm done. <laughs> I can, you know, that's, can, that's, that's so amazing because I think a lot of people, you know, oh, you know, we don't know how this one's going to turn out. This one doesn't know what they want to do. You know, we take them for counseling or this one was in trouble mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And, and look how, how you can do this, the gift that you can I give your kids and maybe even impart to them that how they will be able to, you know, to give that legacy to them, to pass that on as they develop and have families of their own. Um, that they can continue to do that. So a lot of, so we're always running around outside of ourselves, taking the kid to this therapist and taking, the, you know, I mean, you may sometimes need to get it. And if something's really weird, you may need to get some kind of framework, but in the main, you know, I was just reading about something on Quora, you know, some, something, the child is little child, three years old. What if the parent had just imagined lovingly for that child that, exactly. that the things that they heard or saw, you know, were that the child was fine and happy. And it's, it, you know, this is, this is the thing. We think it's the, the process of a faith healer or that right. you have to run to all the specialists, but we have this and we don't even, you know, most people just don't even know that they're in touch. They can be in touch with that. So this is so inspiring for people to know. Thank uh, you, you, Mike. You mentioned legacy. Uh, that son, the one that was healed, will him. He's practicing the art of imagining. Oh, uh, beautiful. He, he, in fact, I talk about him in a couple of episodes uh, where he uh, used his imagination to, for someone else to get the money she needed. Uh, and within five minutes of him imagining, that she had the money she needed. She had the money, you know, so he understands the power of imagination. Mm. Now, and my youngest child, my daughter, I have four boys and a girl. She's 16 and she'll periodically share stories with me uh, or with her mom about what she did in imagination. So she's already, I love that she's already playing with that. And I don't push it on my kids because uh, they all know now uh, they'll start telling me something about some problem. And my 20, uh, my nine, my 20 year old son, Caius is his name. He'll start to tell me a problem and I'll start out like, well, I know dad, just imagine it. Yeah. I know what to do. Uh, <laughs> I so, do that to my wow. children. <laughs> wow. It's so great to see. And that you're right. That's the, that right there makes up for all the things you end up regretting as a parent, you know? I didn't understand it hearing older people when I was younger. Oh, I regret not spending more time with my kids or all these mistakes they made in how they raised their kid. And I went through that for a time, regretting the way things I did or the choices I made or didn't make in raising my kids, giving them better experiences. You know, as a parent, you can't help but have regrets. Mm -hmm. uh, when you think, when you're thinking that you're small and separate, uh, when you realize who you are, it, it, you can revise the past, but you don't have to go back through and revise everything. Be that parent now, you know, be that parent that you want to be and share the gift of the power of imagination mm -hmm. with your kids. That's better than any million dollar inheritance yeah. that I could leave them. Uh, if they watch this, I don't want them getting any ideas. There is no, <laughs> there's a million dollar inheritance, uh, but this to get for them to understand the power 
that they are, that is the key to everything. They can have anything and they want in life. And my 20 year old is making more money than I did my first few years out of college, mm-hmm. my first several years out of college. Uh, he, and he doesn't have a college degree and he's making more money uh, doing what he's doing and he loves it. So, Beautiful. you know, I like, I want, what I taught my kids is don't ever accept tradition as a rule you have to follow. Don't even take rules as a rule you have to follow. You know, make your own way, break the mold and do what you want to do. And like, uh, like Bono said on the Grammys back in 1992, uh, F up the mainstream. He told the people in the audience. Remember that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so that's what I, I want my kids to be that bold to, just do what they really want to do. And I tell anybody that ever chats with me about it, because some people will message me that listen to the podcast. Uh, I don't, I'm not a coach. Uh, I don't, you know, but I happily talk to people and uh, chat with them. And I tell them that, you know, get, get away from all these things you're thinking about, because they're talking about their, what their family expects, what the economy's like and what their degree is in, like what their score was on their past test. Stop it. What do you want to experience? Forget all of that. What is it you want to experience now? Don't try, don't make it about, I just talked to a woman that is so worried about changing her medical, uh, it's a test for, to getting the medical school or something. Uh, I wasn't real clear on it, but it was a test that she failed. And so for 10 years, she's been trying to change the test score. And she's folks, she's turned around like this, you know, and looking backward at this test score and making it all about that. And she wanted me to help her revise the test score. I tried to explain to her, you're way too focused on this test score. Uh, and so I tried to get her to see what would you be? What would you be doing now if you had the life you're living? And she said she wanted this type of doctor. But I need that test score fixed. I'm like, that, 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 that. Let's stop talking about the test score. Let's get ahead way beyond all that because she wanted to end up being a doctor in the United States. And so I told her, forget all of these things about the test score. Put yourself in a bed in the U.S. tonight and feel your home country thousands of miles away, like, like Neville talks about and 20 talks about, and feel the satisfaction of being that doctor now. And I haven't heard mm-hmm. back from her, but uh, we have, we, I'm, I'm constantly finding things that I, I can let go of. You know, we, we think we're dropping all barriers or all, all these limits, yeah. these traditions, and then I'll, something will happen. I think, oh, isn't that silly that I was still holding on to that thing, <laughs> that it has to be that. And oh my just God. by noticing oh, the that. time. <laughs> yeah. And just by noticing it, though, it breaks free. I break free of that. Yeah. Because I, in that moment, I have become the awareness that I am. I'm no longer yeah. in it. You can't see shit when you're in it. You don't know what's going on. You're just yeah. dealing with shit, all these problems. And then you stick your, it's like sticking your head up. I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> That's down there. I'm not that because I wouldn't be aware of it, of this point of view if I were. And there's so much freedom in that realization, and in that moment. I don't know if you've read David's book, Beyond the Words. I did. He let me proofread it. I got to read it before anybody yeah, else. So that wow. he talks about is, in those moments, ask yourself, am I awake or am I asleep? Right. Yeah. I, uh, Just by noticing, yeah. oh shit, I was asleep, but now I'm awake to yeah. right. situation. Right. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask myself, is this, am I this problem? Am I this problem or am I this pain or this feeling or am I aware of it? Uh, 
And I first read that in, I can't remember the book. It's one of the teachers I've read over the years uh, that I first heard that questioning. And I do it all the time now. Am I really this? Or am I just aware of it? Or am I uh, imagining it? I'm imagining I'm sick. I'm imagining I have money problems. And it does. It's a, when you turn toward awareness, you turn toward your true self, your true self responds. It can't help it. It's an automatic response. It's going to respond to you, your true self. But people want to make it hard. Yeah. They want to make it, they, they think uh, people love systems and programs and they yeah. feel this crazy screwed up need, and I'm one of them, to throw money at different programs and systems. Oh, I, I have to buy that. I have to spend thousands of dollars. I need a new regimen to follow every day. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to, do all that. You don't, it doesn't have to be a struggle. It can be as, as simple as, am I really this problem or am I imagining it? Am I the being that is aware of this? Mm. And at first it didn't feel like it. At first, when I first started asking myself, my answer was, hell yes, I'm, I am this, you know, I'm feeling it. Yes, Mike, what are you talking about? You know, but the more I, I turn toward myself, toward awareness, I started noticing more and more of that. And that, yeah. uh, and that led to, you know, in, in, within all of this, the promise was happening, experiencing the promise. Uh, and, and that really is, that's when you get to the, when you really, 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 really know, and there is no longer doubt on who you uh-huh. are, there, uh, it changes everything. It changes uh, you love everything, uh, you know, I just, you can't help but love everybody that you come across, <laughs> even the assholes, you know. Uh, yeah, you love them for that. Right. I recognize the state. I, I see mm. them, the state, uh, but, and I see the, the being they really are, and I can't help but love them. It just, and, and those moments when I, you know, get caught up in a little reaction and I, I notice it now the feeling I, I feel like crap immediately my body feels it it shows yes. me that mm-hmm. oh I can the whole thing I feel it uh and and that's you, something's flying in front of me <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's my true being flying around my, <laughs> it's, my, it's my spirit animal it's a gnat <laughs> but you can't help but but uh to be the love that you know you are, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a wonderful experience. Thank you so much, Mike. We've gone about an hour. Oh, you serious? Oh, wow. <laughs> that was fast. But wow. I mean, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And we'd oh. love to have you back. Please come yeah. back. Yeah. Let's do it. We need to do it. And then I, I can put it on my channel too. So it can be double shared. That would be oh. really cool. But yeah, well, let's do this. Uh, I, awesome. Well, I've said it already. I, this is what I do. I talk about it. If I'm not talking to people yeah. in person, I'm yeah. putting posting something uh, yeah. on Feeling Twisty on well, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we can but, share the recording with you if you would. would yeah, like do that. Do That'd that. be great. Yeah, I just have to send it to Google Drive. Oh, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. You have such a great voice too. It's, I mean, you know, it's galvanizing to listen to you. It's just, you know, your, your cadence when you, especially tell me when you're telling stories and also when you're recording your podcast. And then I started seeing you on YouTube where you're 
where you're, you know, it's the visual as well. And it's, it's did you have training to, for, in speaking, public speaking or acting or voice? I, I took, uh, no, no voice lessons. I, I just, most of my high school, as far back as I remember, people would tell me, oh, you have a voice for radio. You could be on the radio. Yeah. And uh, wow. I didn't, I, I didn't really dive into that until uh, years later in the, the late nineties when I, Kim, my wife, Kim, it said, look, you've always wanted to do radio. I there's a classified ad saying that this radio station is looking for someone you need to apply. And now I'd never, I'd no, had no experience. I didn't go to journalism school. I had no journalism experience. I did take theater for, and I did some live theater, uh, a few plays, but I applied for that job and I didn't get it. The news director was this old hard ass guy smoking a pipe. Ah, you got no experience, kid. He was just uh. the, he was he was the stereotypical news editor, you know, like you would mm -hmm. see in the movies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, okay, well, can I just hang out and come by and learn from you? And that was in February of uh, was that 1998, 99. Anyway, uh, and I started hanging out there, but I knew then, and now I didn't know anything about Neville at that point or what I was doing. I had kind of forgotten about the Joseph Murphy stuff that I had practiced in college, but uh, I just knew I was going to be on radio at that point, even though yeah. he told me no. Uh, I turned, I went to my bosses at uh, Progressive Insurance. I was a claims adjuster at that point. Mm. And I said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm giving you two months notice. I didn't give him two weeks notice. Two months. Him, just to give me a little cushion. I gave yeah. you two months notice. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to, I got a job at the, a, it's a big radio station here in town, but they, I can't tell you which one it is yet because I didn't know. <laughs> I, I just knew it was going to happen. Well, my last day at Progressive came and I didn't have the job, but uh, oh. within a week of that, the uh, program director of the station called me and said, hey, we have an opening for a reporter, a field reporter, which is not what I wanted. I wanted to be on the microphone, but I took it. And you know, my news director was just flabbergasted that they hired me. You know, I didn't have any experience, uh, but I knew I, I was going to be on the microphone. I would imagine, I, I did not think, like I said, anything that Neville was talking about, but I would imagine myself on the microphone in the studio saying my name on the microphone. And field reporter at the beginning of May, by the end of May, I was an afternoon anchor. And by and that really drove my news director crazy. And by the end of that year, I was, I took his job. I had his job. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and then a year later, I was the news director over a group of five radio stations, at the competitor of, on our, the lake in our city. So uh, that's the, that's the experience I had. I just, it, just getting thrown into the micro, into the fire, being on the mic and uh, yeah. yeah, no training, but I just love doing it. I've always been more comfortable on the microphone than yeah. uh, talking to people in person used to be like that. Now I just love talking to people, whether yeah. it's on the it microphone is, yeah. or on camera, but for the video so that you see me, uh, that's, I give all the credit to my wife, Kim. Uh, she's the one that's been telling me, you know, you just need to just do some videos too, you know? And I thought, yeah, nice. because of my radio training, I like to keep it, you know, do the radio thing, keep it to yeah. the, the audio uh, the theater of the mind kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was like, screw it. I got some, I got shit to say. So I just picked up my phone and start, did recorded it. And then uh, I got a really good response from people. It, it, 
it exploded and it's crazy just from one or two videos that I've gotten so much response from that. Uh, well, and even as the, it, the as, listens have gone up on my podcast since the videos have come out. As Neville says, signs follow, right? They don't proceed. Mm -hmm. So, so all that is is like the confirmation, <laughs> right? <that> right. <laughs> and know, I love so. it. I love uh, it's the videos are easy because when I think of something, I can just get on and talk about it instead mm -hmm. of waiting for my podcast. Usually, yeah. I have an idea and I write the note down. Let me remember this from the next podcast. But now I can just you know, get on the, get on the, on the gram or on YouTube and post a little video. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we're very blessed that you're on the microphone, Mike, we love your podcast. Oh, thank you. I love, you guys have a great show too. A great oh, podcast, you. great yeah. show. Yeah. It's a great idea, by the way. I, I'm assuming the two commas mean it because there's three of you. So you have two commas when you list, if you were to list the names of the people in it, is that where two commas? <laughs> no, but that's, no. that's oh. kind of funny. That's one of them. <laughs> There's many, many reasons. Interesting. But yeah. think of a number with two commas in it. So there's, oh, there is I like a, that. There's a millionaire club called the Two Comma Club. And um, 20 hosted his coffee um, coffee club, didn't he, on, yeah. um, on YouTube. And he used to play the thing. And um, we were talking one day on, on a Facebook um, post and I said, hey, does anyone just fancy doing a show? And what should we call it? And it was the things that we were thinking, we were talking about. And it was like, well, let's just call it Two Comma Coffee Club. I where people it. can just get together and we can just chat, Neville. That is so cool. I love hearing the origins of things like that. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I got to give one more thing about 2020 that really cracked the shell for me on one of those live calls. The live calls were, that was the pivot point for me in where I was in all of this to where I am now. Um, we were on a call and on those calls, you never know, you're going to have people talk over each other. So I started talking at the same time somebody else did. And I said, oh, sorry. And 20 snapped, it was like getting hit in the nose with a newspaper yeah. as if I were a little puppy. He said, Mike, quit apologizing. Uh, stop saying you're sorry. And it just kind of like a jolt. And then, but that stuck with me for a while. And I kept thinking about it. It's like, yeah, my whole life I've been in this, uh, when I thought I was even being aggressive, I'm still in a passive mode where oh I'm, my gosh. I'm allowing people go ahead, you go first and not wanting to offend my, I was raised to not offend anybody. My mom mm. always told us, don't you act like country come to and town. You taught, you were taught like that's not <laughs> Right. You, passive right. and That's submissive is not manners. It's putting yourself below somebody. Right. Yeah. And I didn't, it took in that moment, years of that shit just shed off of me. I'm about to write so, that down. Yeah. I just loved it. It was a, it was a, a pivotal yeah. moment, moment for me. And I just I want to give 2020 a big old hug when I see him in person one day. Yeah. He's, a, he's amazing. And he, and is, he just, yeah. and he just keeps going and being more amazing. Oh, yeah, he just, I just love it because he's all he's 2020. You know, you know, he's not going to change with the wind with, you know, he he's always going to be who he is. And his message is going to be the same because he knows it works. And so he's going to teach people what he knows works. And you don't have to worry about him changing with the fads on some new thing. Right. Oh, I've got this going on now. No. Uh, yeah, he just 
he tells it like it is. And I, in, in him telling it like it is being not, not being passive with me, you know, the snap on the nose, stop saying you're sorry. Whoa. Yeah, he really does. And David too, David walks his talk. You yeah. know, that's, that David they too. both do very strongly. Yeah. And, and that is, that is the mark, you know, that's when you see that, is that all congruent, you know, and that's, that it's a consistent, you know, what they're saying and what they're doing, lining up. And then, you know, you got somebody who pays it. Yeah. Yeah. Breslow's great. I love that guy. He's another one. I'm, we've talked about uh, meeting each other in person one day. And I know we I'm will. Sure you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got him a really cool gift. Uh, oh no, I did tell him it's not a surprise. Uh, ah. he loves, he loves <laughs> the Beatles. He, we both love the Beatles and John ah. Lennon and Paul McCartney has a memoir, a two volume memoir coming out, uh, a huge mm-hmm. set of books coming oh. out in November. And I couldn't, I, I was going to, I pre-ordered it for Breslow and I was going to just wait and not tell him till November. And I was like, screw that. I can't hold this in till November 2nd. <laughs> so I had to message him and I sent him a picture of it. It's like, I got this for you, but uh, he just, you a, go away. we just, and he sent me a cake one. He surprised me with a big old chocolate cake one day. We just Aww. love giving things to each other. He's oh, just so lovely. He, he's a Isn't great guy. He is. Yeah. He is great fun to know. And we, and reading his uh, amazing posts, he sort of wakes up and writes oh, yeah. it down. Great, great, great. So we definitely would love our audience also to, yeah, you know, we, we did our episode, check out his, his work. Yeah, and his book. And he'll be with us on the Neville Summit. Oh, that's, right. that's right. That's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's going right. to be exciting. And that's coming up early June. So absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited too. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I know, if, you know, we'll, I think it's going to keep going and it's some other form or continue on from the oh, sure. initial one over time. So it's going to be evolving. Oh yeah. It's not, it, it's not going to do anything but help it's get the message out and right. grow and grow your show, your podcast. Uh, yeah. It's a great idea. Laurel came up with a great idea and it's exciting mm-hmm. to see all these faces. I saw the promo uh, mm. graphic the we other all, day. I was like, Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know. Uh, Lene and Michelle, I didn't know you personally yet, but I knew mm-hmm. I knew I was going to know you soon when <laughs> I saw it. It's neat to see all these faces, Tony's face and David, these faces that I know, and 2020 smiling face on there. Oh, it's so Big lovely that we're all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just before we finish, Mike, um, just to confirm, so people can follow you on YouTube, and is that also called Feeling Twisty? It is. Uh, everywhere. It's just Feeling Twisty and on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Coming soon, feelingtwisty.com. But I'll Good. let everybody know on on my uh, channel about that. Okay. Well, that's all, all we right. have time for today. But thank you so much for your time, Mike. I've really learned some things. <laughs> this was fun. I, I just want to keep going. The, you know, Have me back anytime you want. I love yeah. doing this. Love it. Thank you. All right. See you soon. And see us on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and uh, YouTube and Anchor. So we're all over the place. At Two Comma Coffee Club. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.